Want to get the edge with your Premier League betting predictions? Pinnacle have teamed up with InfoGoal to delve deeper into the data for all the Premier League matches each game week. You combine betting market data with InfoGoal's performance data to try and find Pinnacle customers' value in the odds. This is EPL Insights. Happy New Year, everyone. First EPL Insights podcast of 2023. I am Gareth Wheeler, and he is Jake Osgathorpe, the Wizard of Oz, as he just keeps on, you know, putting out his magic into the universe with proper bets and good plays each and every week right here on EPL Insights, with our data provided by InfoGoal as well. Jake, Happy New Year to you. 2023 is going to take some getting used to, but man, we're just going to pick up where we left off in 2022. Another very successful week for yourself last week, buddy. Yeah, we're, we're flying. Um, six out of eight, six winners out of eight, all around the kind of you know, slightly odds on, a couple of odds against picks in there as well. Fulham to win was the, was the nice odds against pick. Yeah, that's back-to-back pods where I've gone six out of eight, which is a very healthy strike rate um, in no terms kidding. of turning profit over. So, yeah, and you yourself, you're, you're in fine form as well. Well, I always like when we start off the weekend with back-to-back best bets coming in. Uh, <laughs> Liverpool uh, and Leicester City both to score. Uh, that was your play. My best bet of the weekend, United Wolves under. There was no question in my mind from the get-go that that game had underwritten all over it. Yeah, definitely. Um, Villa to score first against Spurs. We'll see if that trend continues. Fulham overs have been a kind play, and they play one of my favorite other oversides in Leicester City this week. I wonder where I'm going with that one. So overall, it was a, it was a very good weekend all around. Um, the, the one result, and I guess that it shouldn't be that much of a surprise anymore, but Arsenal just keep on ticking over nicely. They've only drawn once and lost once on the season. Uh, It's been an incredible run for Arsenal here. And when we look at the futures odds on Pinnacle.com, they've shortened incredibly for Man City. I mean, Man City were the overwhelming favorites to go on and win the Premier League title this week. But now the odds have shrunk to minus 125 for City to go on and win it. And Arsenal now just plus 125 to win it. Do, do, Do you think that these teams are priced appropriately in the futures market right now? Um, I think they are at the moment, yeah. Uh, you have to say sort of crashing Arsenal's price is is only fair. I mean, they're playing at a, a, a ridiculously elite pace in terms of the points that they're picking up. Um, I think if they carried on the way they, they are, they'd easily break the 90 points barrier, which is generally a good um, indicator as a as a proper title winner, never mind contender. Although the last couple of years, we've had a few teams finish, many Liverpool finishing the 90-odd points and not win it. Um but yeah, I think ultimately we're going to see a flip-flop at some point soon if things carry on going the way they are, which is Arsenal winning matches uh, and City dropping points. You know, it could easily happen this week. Arsenal play Newcastle at home, fairly tough game. Chelsea play, uh, Man City play away at Chelsea. Um, so if Arsenal get another positive result and City only draw, then I would definitely expect to see Arsenal go into, into, the, into the minus and, and become the favourites in the market. The question um, is, the question is, I mean, both teams have played 16 games. There's a seven point gap between first and second place. Is this the time to make your Manchester City futures bet to go on and win the title? A seven point gap. Both teams have a difficult game this week. It's it's all about timing, isn't it? And I'm not sure you're going to be able to get much more than minus 125 at this point. It's come into a playable range for me. 
Yeah, I I think you're probably right. I might just hold off one more week though. I think I think if Arsenal I, I'm expecting Arsenal to beat Newcastle on Tuesday. Mm. Um and if that happens, then I, I think you're gonna you're gonna probably get around even even odds on Man City to win the title Wednesday night, maybe. Um maybe Thursday before they play Chelsea. I think you might see see that that dip in that way. And and that that's probably when I'd pull the trigger. Um if you get around the even money kind of line. Um, the plus 100 might go as plus 101, 102, something like that. That's that's definitely what I'd be looking at. And um, yeah, I definitely think this is the week because I've, I've kind of spoiled the pod here by saying I think that Arsenal will beat Newcastle. I think Man City will beat Chelsea quite handily as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, Spoiler but yeah. alert. <laughs> yeah, big time. Um, but you have to stick around for the reasoning though. Um, yeah, so I, I think... <laughs> I think the, the the time to get on would be before City play Chelsea, but after Arsenal play Newcastle. Because, like I said, I think there'll be a market reaction if and when Arsenal beat Newcastle, as I expect. Uh, but then there'll be an equal reaction because I think City could do a real number on Chelsea. It, it's kind of funny because I'm kind of looking at things from the other side of the coin. I think that Newcastle have a real shot this weekend. And they just look at the next three Premier League games for Arsenal. And this is why I say now is the time to make that play on City. They have Newcastle. Spurs and Manchester United, the only side that's defeated them this year. And you started to wonder, like, I, I keep on looking for opportunities to, to, to fade Arsenal, and it's come back to bite me on a regular basis. <laughs> but but this yeah. stretch of games is difficult. I'm not sure if you subscribe to the look-ahead game. I, I, I know there's all these cliches, but that's a difficult run, and the fact that they've been punching above their weight and continue to do so, no Jesus. Um, I, I, I just look at this team. Um, they've they've done incredibly well. They deserve all the they deserve all the credit they get. But these are punching a little bit above their weight right now. Yeah, they, they probably are a little bit. But you know, you say Arsenal have got a tough schedule coming up. I mean, Manchester City's got an equally, if not tougher, schedule in my opinion, just because so they've got an extra game in there. So Arsenal, obviously, out of the League Cup. Um, so if you take the next five matches up until around twentieth of Jan, City play Chelsea away in, in the league, Chelsea at home in the cup, Southampton away in the League Cup. Man United away in the league and then Tottenham at home. So they, they've got obviously Southampton. You could probably say it's a bit of a gimme because Southampton aren't very good, but they've got five, five games in a really short period of time and four of them are against top six teams or big six teams. Whereas Arsenal, obviously, their FA Cup games against Oxford, I think that's at home as well, which you'd expect to be very, you know, it, you wouldn't be surprised if you played a second string team and won that game, would you? So um, you know they've got they've got a little bit more rest time in, in between. Whereas for City, it is relentless. It is right. You got Chelsea, then a game, then and you know Tottenham, then a game, then Man United, then a game. Um, so that you know the fixture, in my opinion, the schedule's kind of even for both. Um, but yeah, the, you'd expect City to deal with this tougher schedule better than Arsenal. But then again, Arsenal are playing at a, a really high level and, and do deserve a little bit of respect now. So check out the futures plays at pinnacle.com. Nothing else, else jumping off the page in terms of the relegation or top four battle right now for me. Liverpool, a little bit of a surprise. Priced at minus 210 to finish in the top four, considering their you know, sixth place entering the match week. A little bit different this week because we won't be able to cover Brentford, Liverpool, just based upon their schedule, the time of this podcast. So just nine games for your betting uh, pleasure this week or feature five, then the remaining four rapid fire style. So we'll miss Liverpool um, and Brentford, which should be a cracking game. Honestly, let's skip to the first, you know, the, the first feature match of the week. And it's a game they've already kind of touched on a little bit. It's first place Arsenal taking on third place, Newcastle. It's the game of the weekend. 
Uh, it's going to be played at the Emirates on Tuesday. Arsenal coming off a 4-2 away win at Brighton. A 3.37 XG in that game. Just incredible. Saka has goals in back-to-back games, and Kenya has goals in three of four. Odegaard, three goals in his last three games as well. 14-1-1. I repeat this every podcast. Just <laughs> pinch yourself if you're an Arsenal uh, supporter right now. And there were perfect seven wins from seven at home as well. And of the best home XGA of just 5.7 in those seven games. As I previously mentioned, difficult run of games. Newcastle, Spurs up next. And then Manchester United. Newcastle coming in off a surprise goalless draw against Leeds. It was a home draw as well. Although they did have a 2.85 XG to just 0.53 for Leeds, according to our statistics on InfoGoal. Newcastle haven't lost in their last 13 in all competitions. And 11 goals conceded is the fewest in the Premier League. They have the third most points away from home and the third best expected goal differential. They've only conceded six in eight away games thus far. Head-to-head, both teams won 2-0 at home last season. The under two-and-a-half goals has come through four of five. Arsenal have scored first against Newcastle in nine of their last ten. You hinted at it. Let's see if he makes it official. Uh, Jake, you clearly favor Arsenal heading into this game. Perhaps you could explain why. Yeah, uh, quite simply, well, two reasons. Um, Arsenal are phenomenal at home. Um, and they've dealt with the Gabriel Jesus injury much better than I expected. Um, I, I thought that out the break, you've got West Ham, who, you know, that granted near the bottom of the table, but that we don't view them as a as a bottom half team. They sit in the top half based on expected goals. Um, and playing away at Brighton, a team that, again, sit in the top half, sit top seven in terms of expected goals. So two tough games, but they've come through them with flying colours. Um, and like I said, my main concern was, could they score goals? Could they create as many chances as they did with Jesus in the team? Um, and yeah, the answer is is a you know a very resounding yes. Um, three goals, four goals, you know, nearly two expected goals against West Ham, over 3.3 against Brighton, which is a really impressive display. Um, yeah, they, they you know they they are really impressing me in the way in which they're dealing with what what many would see or many have seen as quite a, a big loss. Um, so that's the that's one reason. The other reason is Newcastle away from home. Results have, have flattered them greatly. Um, I think 15 points in their eight away matches, which is the third or fourth best in the league. But their expected goal difference per game is plus 0.25. So it's not as emphatic as what that points total would would suggest. And, and then you compare that to Arsenal at home, um, who are averaging 2.55 expected goals for and 0.82 expected goals against per game. So an expected goal difference at home of plus 1.73. And and you can see that you've got a very dominant home team taking on a, an away team who, if they were playing anyone else, like other than an Arsenal or a Man City, you'd fancy them to get a result. But the way in which Arsenal are playing in particular at home, I do find it difficult to look past them. And um, I, I think that there's um, almost a, a kind of anti-Arsenal bias in the market right now. Because if you put if you put that if you put that expected goals process and put Manchester City's name on top of it, in this match you would have Man City at around minus one fifty, maybe shorter, without question. Um, so I, I do think that the the, the price on Arsenal is, is quite big. You're talking about you said it there. They're top of the league. They're fourteen one and one. They're flawless at home. They've won all the home matches so far. Um, and they're and, and they're performing. You know the results have been deserved. It's not like they're they're fluking wins here or there. 
So this is a legit team. It's a title contending team. Uh, and I know I, I know we rate Newcastle highly, but I just think this is a this is a big step up for them um, in terms of going away to the the you know at the at this present moment in time the best team in the league. So one minus one two seven is the figure right now. Might be a bit short for some, not for me. I'm I'm more than happy to take Arsenal to win the game um, in that market the one x two. And like I said, I, I think it should be a lot shorter, maybe close to one minus one fifty, maybe minus one sixty because the the underlying numbers. Um, yeah, I, I just think there's some hesitancy for people to jump on board this Arsenal being really good. I'm train. one of them. I'm one of them, Jake, and I have no problem admitting that. I'm just waiting for the clock to strike to, to strike midnight, and this team turns into a bit of a pumpkin. Like <laughs> I, 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 and I think that this week it might be it. So we're gonna have conflicting plays a little bit. My, my top play in this game is actually the under two and a half goals at plus one hundred two. Um, Newcastle, they're pragmatic. Like you think about. Almiron and, and Guimarães and some of the attacking-minded players in this team. This team is excellent defensively. They, they don't give up goals. They don't give up chances. They went to Brighton and played to a nil-nil. They played a pragmatic style when they went to Old Trafford, played Manchester United to a nil-nil there, went to Liverpool, took it until, what, the 99th minute for them to find a winner. They went to Spurs, took a 2-0 lead there, ended up winning 2-1. They've gone to difficult places, and they simply just don't concede uh, cheap goals. So I, I, I like the under because I, I think that this game could end in a draw, quite frankly. Um, and I think there's some value in the in the in the handicap of 0. 0.5. Uh, so basically, Newcastle wins or draws. You win your bet at plus 116, a plus number um, for a winner, a draw for Newcastle. Newcastle's healthy right now. They're, they're fit. Uh, Wilson came back for the side last week. They were just extraordinarily unlucky against Leeds United. I think they can come to the Emirates and take something um, from this Arsenal side. And this is where I think that missing out on Gabriel Jesus might become an issue when you play a much more, you know, a difficult defensive back line to play. Remember against Brighton, they were missing a bunch of regulars in that team. Webster, Welbeck, McAllister, Casado. Casado was, was suspended as well. Uh, Bright just simply doesn't have the depth. A lot of young players. It wasn't a, you know, fully fit or the strongest version of a Brighton side that we'll see this season. So I think the Newcastle's in a decent spot going away from home, and I think they'll kind of play for that draw. I think it'd be a good result for them. Yes, yeah, it's, it's first time. I guess it's the first time, probably of many, this calendar year that will disagree. But it's the first time for a while. We've been on the we've been on the same page yes. for a while. So we we are going head to head. Uh, I believe the head-to-head record right now is one-one. I think we've only yeah, had two. Yeah, one-one. Um, so this is this, but this is the third. Uh, yeah, interesting. I, I like I say I, I respect Newcastle as a team. I think they're a very good team. I think their future line of uh, finishing the top four. I was just looking there is at, is at plus one twenty. I'm really surprised they're as big as that because they have shown for a long period of time now that I mean they've only lost once all season. If they can if they even if they lose like another two or three games for the now to the end of the season, they should get to seventy points. So. Um, that that's probably where I'd be looking, and and maybe if Arsenal if Arsenal win um, as I expect them to, that that future line on, on Newcastle top four might get bigger as well, and that might be a a, a play for the next next game week anyway. So um, yeah, I, I just think this this is a a really good opportunity to back Arsenal at a backable a very very backable price at home. 
It's a prove-it-to-me game. Can Arsenal score against a very good back line that's only conceded six and eight away games thus far this season? And like I documented, some difficult places that they've already gone to this season and being able to come away with something. So put it on the board. Jake and I, conflicting plays, add in the under for me as an official play this week at plus 102. I, I love that number as well. So we're off to a flyer here. What should be the game of the game of the week? Uh, let's see if those contrasting views continue. As Manchester United welcome Bournemouth Old Trafford. United beat Wolves one 0 Rashford benched, then comes off the bench to score the winner. All is good between he and Eric Ten Hag, who continues to pull all the right strings. Luke Shaw was excellent at centre back again, and back to back clean sheets for David De Gea. They did have a 2.19 XG in that game to just 0.63 for Wolves, but it did require De Gea making two spectacular saves in order to preserve the victory. Rashford has scored in all three games in all competitions since returning from the World Cup. Uh, Lissandro Martinez is back. We'll see what that means. Diego Dallo is back in training. We'll see what that means. United just one loss in their last 15 competitive games, five wins in a row in all competitions, and they've gone the over two and a half goals in four of their last six. At home, they've been excellent, 5-1-1 one, and one on the year. Four goals conceded at home is the fewest in the Premier League. Bournemouth, a difficult run continues, a 2-0 loss at home to Palace, and just a .81 XG according to InfoGoal. Just one away win from home, and they've conceded 26 in eight games away. Wow, that's an ugly number. They have the worst XG overall by a full three expected goals as well. Head-to-head, United have scored a combined nine goals in the last two trips by Bournemouth traveling to Old Trafford. And United, despite those nine goals in the last two games at home against Bournemouth, haven't had a clean sheet against Bournemouth in their last four. What do you make of this game? Uh, Is it straightforward that the Bournemouth struggles will continue and United will keep progressing like they have been over recent weeks and months? Yeah, it's my best bet of the midweek fixtures, actually. Um, Take Man United win to nil. Fairly straightforward. Um, plus 105. I mean, you're giving us a plus number for, you know, one of the better teams in the league at home to probably the worst team in the league. Um, yeah, I mean, they've United have been pretty flawless, haven't they? Since, well, since the the six three defeat to to Manchester City, they've been pretty, you know, excellent. I mean, even before that, you know, picking up wins against Liverpool, Saints, Leicester, Arsenal. Um, you know, since they lost to Brentford. No team other than Arsenal has picked up more points than Manchester United this season, which I found a ridiculous stat. And it kind of shows that the the early season uh, you know, problems and finger pointing was a little bit overblown. And it kind of, again, shows that Ten Hag has done a pretty phenomenal job in terms, in terms of turning them into uh, a point collection, uh, collecting machine because they really are firing on all cylinders. Um, their attacking process is on the up. Defensive process is is looking really good as well. They're keeping clean sheets. Um, and yeah, I kind of expected when looking at the strength of schedule that the restart would be a very kind one for United, playing Forest, Wolves, and now Bournemouth. I'm pretty sure Ten Hag would have had nine points in his head for those three matches uh, before it gets a little bit more uh, more difficult. But the way in which they dealt with both teams has been really impressive. Um, kind of relegation contenders. Bournemouth fit into that same category. Um, they've racked up over two expected goals in both matches, limited both teams to less than one expected goal. Um, and, you know, Bournemouth are 
to put it fairly bluntly, rubbish right now because they, yeah. they need mass investment to, to have any chance of staying up. Um, really poor against both Chelsea and Crystal Palace, created next to nothing, conceded loads. And away from home, you said it there, they've conceded 3.25 goals per game away from home, which is just a mental figure. Um, and 2.15 expected goals. And, and they've you know created less than one expected goal four per game. So the, the nil kind of looks... Yeah, it's basically, it's a, can, how can you get United on side? Is it with the handicap, um, like we did last week? We took them minus one and a half against Forest, Or do you just take them to, to keep a clean sheet? And I, I think against this Bournemouth team, for me, that's that's the way in, is to take take the, the clean sheet. Um, the line at the minute is actually at minus 1.75. So if you're taking minus one and a half again, you, you've got to drop the price to minus 133. That's of interest. But I, I just think the win to nil, it kind of covers you if, if they have a poor finishing day like they did against Wolves, where they racked up more chances, uh, over two expected goals, only scored the once. Um, and yeah, I just can't see Bournemouth scoring. So it's just a case of can United score? And if they do, how many? Yeah. Uh, we're back on the same page, pal. Happy That's New nice Year. To know. It's, yeah. it's my best bet of the week as well. Plus 105, uh, United to win to nil. Um, look, this United side has come away with back to back clean sheet, sheets with a makeshift back four. It's Varane, Luke Shaw's playing center back, Molassi on the left, and Juan Basaka out of obscurity is playing on the right. Like, this isn't even their He's playing pretty well four. as well. He is. It, it, it's fine. Just. This team, you know, Casemiro's just bossing the midfield. They're kind of robust in their shape. I can't see Bournemouth going to United here and scoring. I just, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to picture what this looks like. And Bournemouth do have injuries in this team, and they simply don't have the depth. So Michael B. Jordan and company are, you're right, they're going to have to invest in this team. I think that Gary O'Neill punched above his weight while the interim tag was on him. Now they kind of you know, regress to the mean. Like, this is what they are, a side that's going to struggle to stay up this season. And yeah, United, is it, is it, it's a strange appointment. I know he did a yeah. half-decent job, but the performances were crap. And you look at, like, Villa and Wolves have gone out and got Emery and Lopetegui. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's the kind of standard of manager you need to be going getting. And I guess I'd put Southampton in the same category as Bournemouth. I rate Nathan Jones, but not at this level. So they're, they're two teams, really, that have kind of pulled the trigger early on the manager and haven't replaced them with a very high-caliber appointment, in my opinion. And as for United, I, I feel like I was on the Manchester United train to finish top four for a while now. I think that only injuries and the fixture buildup are the only things that can affect that, and we'll see if, if they can bring in a striker because Anthony Martial is not the long-term or short-term answer for this team, but but Rashford playing you know some of the best football of his life um, – and despite at times it looks a little choppy, you know, players like Bruno Fernandez give the the ball away a lot, but there's these moments that he just creates chances that few players in the Premier League do create. So I think it's a good mix, good manager. It's a good team, United. So my best bet, we're on the exact same page. That, that, yeah. that makes me feel a lot better than, than the first, uh, the first <laughs> game that we dealt with today. Uh, let's move on. It, it was in our top five games of the week. It was a little bit difficult to select this week, but I want to throw in this game because I think it's intriguing for a lot of different levels. It's 14th place Leeds to get on 17th place West Ham United. It's because it's a game that's exceptionally important for the visitors. We'll deal with the home side Leeds first, coming off a goalless draw at Newcastle. Um, they, they lost to City in the previous game, but combined over those two games, just 0.53 XG against Newcastle, 0.6 
against Manchester City. So not creating chances, but they were able to dig in defensively despite Eddie Howe's, uh, drawing Eddie Howe's ire for their time wasting uh, <laughs> in order to preserve the point there. Funny that Eddie Howe would say that. Um, <laughs> the only other clean sheet for Leeds this year came at home against Aston Villa in a goalless draw. They have the third worst expected goals against overall, three wins and two draws at home, however, but they do have the third worst expected goals against at home. The side is finally getting somewhat healthy, which is great news for Jesse Marsh and company. As for West Ham, these are not good times for David Moyes and company. A 2-0 home loss to Brentford. Uh, They lost the XG battle 1.15 to 1.57 in that game. Five league losses in a row. And in the last eight, their only points have come in a home win over Bournemouth and a 1-1 draw against Southampton. That's it. Yikes. Losses at home to Palace in, Le- in Leicester City in their last two home games as well. Add Brentford to that. It's not the most difficult games that they've played at home and still really struggled. Just 13 goals overall, but their XG overall is 24.5. So simply not finishing their chances. 1-1-6 one, one, and six away from home. Zuma and Cornet remain out. Head-to-head, both teams won away last season, and both teams to score came through in both games. Both teams to score have played in five of seven overall, featuring Leeds and West Ham, and Leeds no clean sheet in their last seven in this matchup. Do you have a play for this game? And is time ticking on David Moyes' reign, which has been very good up until this recent run with West Ham United? Um, I don't have a kind of a play that I really like. Um, There's so many variables to kind of consider. I just think it's a bit of a trap game, really. Um, You mentioned Leeds have been pretty shocking since the restart against two good teams, conceded a load of chances, um, created very little, but West Ham aren't at the same level. So I'm not sure what we're going to get from Leeds this time around, whether we, we see them hit the stride like they did when they played, you know, hammered Bournemouth created loads of chances in that game, went to Anfield and won, or if we're going to get the leads that basically rolled over against Man City and conceded over four expected goals. Uh, and then West Ham, I don't really know what to make of them anymore, to be honest. Um, gone from a team pre-season where we kind of had them as a top half shoe-in, maybe challenging for the Conference League place again, to to a team that actually looked like they could they could go down. Um you know, they've lost five in a row. They've lost the XG battle in all five matches. So they've, they've not deserved, there's been no kind of undeserved results in, in that sense. They've conceded plenty of good chances. Um, struggling to create, which is a bit of a problem because they have got some really good, high quality attacking players. But, you know, 1.07 XG against uh, United, 0.27 against Palace, 1.1 against Leicester, 1.06. But if you take away the penalty, that's at 0.26 against Arsenal, and then 1.15 against Brentford. So they, they, there's a serious, um, you know, massive issue there in terms of their creative abilities. Uh, I guess the only positive for them is that away from home, their process is actually really good, and generally on the road is where they've had um, really poor, poor luck. But I just still not enough there for me to trust them to to get a result. I mean, if you did, then the price looks massive for a West Ham win. A team like you know, if we were looking at this matchup pre-season, you'd probably expect West Ham to be favourites for the for the game. You're now getting them at second favourites and a very big price. But yeah, it, it, it's, it's going to be a no bet for me. If I was going to have a bet, I'd probably go against the grain and have under two and a half goals at plus one hundred eight. 
Um, just with the mindset that West Ham will probably try and keep things tight. They're having attacking problems themselves and Leeds struggled to create the last couple of matches. So that's where I'd go, but it's a no, no official play for me. West Ham have been so good over the years uh, on set pieces. They're just, even from set pieces are really struggling right now. By the way, if you like West Ham to go down, the futures play on Pinnacle plus 600. That's it. That number, wow, it's changed over the recent weeks. I do have a play for this game, and, and I think that West Ham are the better side here. <laughs> I, I, I So I'm going to go even odds, a draw, no bet. Um, that way I'll cover myself if they do come away with a draw. For a team that's struggling to create chances, Leeds are a good team to play against, aren't they? <laughs> they have a mistake or three in them on a regular basis. So I'm banking on that. I'm banking on the quality of this, the, the players in this side to find a way to, to go to Allen Road and come away with something. It's going to be a real character test for the likes of of, of, of Rice and Paqueta. And, and there's good players in this team. What's happened to Jared Bowen this year? Mikel Antonio. These two players were two of the statistically top players in the Premier League last season. So there's enough in this team that should be able to see them through. I, perhaps this, this play, which lacks a whole lot of confidence, does get a little bit of a you know, a, a kick in it just based upon what leads end up conceding um, on, a, on a regular basis. The goal, goal, the goal is draw against Newcastle was an anomaly for me. And we'll see what they're made of in a fighting against a desperate team, a desperate West Ham side in this upcoming game. So the draw, no bet at even odds uh, for a small play. Let, let's put it that way. But I, I, I don't mind that as a play for this game. Yeah, no, not too many arguments there. Um, I was leaning towards West Ham myself. Um, but just no confidence to pull the trigger right now. I think, I think there's a lot of um, a lot of tired legs in that West Ham team from a a long season last season where conference they went league deep. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They went deep in the, in the Europa League last season, didn't they? And, and the Conference League start of this season, and they've had a couple of players at the World Cup, Paquetar and and Rice, maybe cashing up with them a little bit. If it's a if it's a loss, is it David Moyes out? Um, good question. Uh, the result or the performances would suggest that there's every chance. Um, and it's a tough, you know, if, if you're, you're West Ham, if you lose, you're in a real relegation battle and your next matches are against Wolves and Everton. So it's like, who would you, you know, you, you, there's a bit of time in between, maybe uh, 10 days in between to get a new manager in, try and get that new manager bounce thing going, which is the big myth that everyone thinks is a real thing. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think I'll probably stick with him until... Maybe, maybe give him another six games. See what he can do. Give him the chance. Give, give him the transfer window as well. It's an ambitious club. I'm just not sure how much longer you can accept the skid that they're on right now. Yeah. Who you else know, is out there though? Who are you going to bring in? Pochettino's out there. Tuchel's out there. Both previous London-based managers. I mean, you know, West Ham splashed the cash um, this offseason. There are still some holes in this team, clearly, but they're definitely not playing up to what the expectation is. And I think that they expect to be a team that's, you know, Europa league quality on, on a year to year basis. Like you, if they don't turn it around, it, it's, it's not just, you know, a, a lost season, but the future of Declan Rice, your, your captain, your, your best player. I mean, that would immediately become severely in doubt going forward. So it, it's a high stakes game here. I just don't think they can afford to be, a mid-table, below mid-table type side and expect to keep their best players um, or their manager stays in his role as well. So we'll see. 
Um, let's move on. 11th place Palace taking on a struggling Spurs side. And some hard truths were shared by Antonio Conte after this. And I feel like I'm the one person that kind of sees the world the way that Antonio Conte did is I, I've said it all season <laughs> long. If you listen to this podcast, I don't think they're anywhere near good enough to be a top four side. Anyways, we'll, we'll start on palace a two nil away when at Bournemouth to get back on track. The 1.9 XG in that game was their highest XG in a game in their last 13. They've really struggled to create chances. This palace side, despite Bournemouth having some really good that attacking talent, that that's the thing. So do you believe what you see? Is this a step in the right direction? We'll see because they're still in the bottom five in XG uh, in the Premier League as well. They do have four wins from eight at home. Tompkins returns from suspension, but Mitchell does not for this game. Spurs are outside the top four after a 2-0 home loss to Villa. A 0.57 XG in that game. Did Harry Kane play? I don't think he had a touch in the first 19, 20 minutes of that game. Kulisevsky was out. Bentecourt out. When those players are missing, it means no party for Spurs. They have now conceded two or more goals in their last seven Premier League games. That's wild. And Antonio Conte's side conceding at this rate. And their only two wins over that seven-game span came against Bournemouth and Leeds. And both were like great escapes at the end, coming from down and just absolutely wild games. Uh, they've conceded 25 goals of the season, but only an XGA of 20.8, and that's fourth best. Uh, both teams to score have cashed in five of their last six. You get this. This is the number, and this is probably the reason why they've struggled so much. They've been the first to concede in their last seven Premier League games, and 10 of 10 first to concede in all competitions. My Villa to score first played nicely. Thank you very much against Spurs last week. We'll see if we go back to the well on that one. Head-to-head, both teams won 3-0 at home last season, and the losing side had a player sent off in both of those games. Spurs to score first against Crystal Palace in six of their last seven games. All right, Jake, what are you believing here when it comes to these sides? Um, What is your truth on both Palace and Spurs? Um, I think think Palace are a top-half team. Uh, I've been saying it from the start of the season. Though, that was one of my future plays, was Palace finishing the top half. Um, I think Spurs are... I think they're... I'm struggling to say top four team right now. Uh, I think the, the injuries... You can't, you can't say no, a top four side. The injuries in forward areas are a big, you know, big concern because I think we're seeing now that when you become reliant on just Kane and Son and you're playing that kind of back five system then it becomes very easy for the opponents to kind of nullify them. So Kulosevsky not playing against Villa was huge. And, and if he's not fit for this game as well, I I really do think that Crystal Palace can get a good result. Just purely because at the other end, Tottenham looked all over the place. Um, you said conceded twice or more in seven, conceded first in all seven. Um, so yeah, I, I'm finding them a really difficult team to try and get on side with at the minute. And you know, the only nagging doubt is that we've not seen an awful lot of good from Crystal Palace on a consistent basis. We've seen a lot of flip-flopping to, from, you know, brilliant away performance against West Ham, lose, uh, uh, you know, away at Nottingham Forest and look really poor. So it's like one or the other with Crystal Palace. We're not seeing a kind of level of consistency. Um, obviously got hammered by Fulham the last home game, come back with a, a very dominant win against Bournemouth. But, you know, I'm willing, I'm willing to chance them to get a positive result. I think they can get at least a draw. Um, get Crystal Palace plus 0.5 on the Asian handicap, minus 137. Uh, the line's set at plus 
0.25, but you know, I'm, I'm happy to drop that just for that extra bit of security. And um, I do think recent years we've unbeaten the last three. Um, and yeah, Tottenham just generally away from home have had a real problem um, of late. You know, drawing with Brentford, we've seen that. We're going 2-0 down to Bournemouth. I mean, if it was any other team, they'd probably lose that game. Uh, lose 2-0 to United. All right, good result against Brighton, but you know, drawing with West Ham, drawing with Chelsea. So there's not a team that wins a lot away from home. Um, and generally, you know, conceding good chances, as we've said. 1.5 expected goals against across the last seven. So yeah, I'll be looking at Crystal Palace um on the handicap to to really just pile the pressure on because it, it's it's mainly the it's mainly Spurs' defense that's making me think that this is a play because they they can't keep anybody out. And if you concede two goals on a regular basis, you're not going to win a lot of football matches. We've we've seen a few. We've seen them win, you know, six two against Leicester, four three against Leeds, three two against Bournemouth. But they're you know over the course of a season, you're probably only going to win five matches when you concede two. So um, yeah, Palace. Uh, I, I think your bet's a good shout as well. The the old the the classic Gareth Wheeler. Oh, Tottenham opponent to score first. Um, plus 144 we're getting this time, which looks at quite a big number. Uh, and if you go onto the Infocore website, you can see the the average time of, of goals and when they're scored. So the average time of uh, of a Crystal Palace goal this season has been the 30th minute. And the average time of a Tottenham goal has been the 40th minute. So you can see they score generally later on average than Crystal Palace. Um, and Tottenham actually concede the first goal at an average time of 29 minutes. So kind of, I mean, again, it's very rough math, but you can see with the averages that Crystal Palace tend to score an average in the first half, Tottenham concede in the first half, and it's near the second half when Tottenham score. So I think that's worth chancing uh, at plus 144, definitely. And, um, you know, I, I've got one of the bets, a bit of a kind of a longer shot. Um, it's in the in the player props line. With Christian Romero to be booked. At plus three seventy six, um, don't really have to say too much other than the fact that it's Christian Romero and he's a bit of a hothead. Um, and if if things start going against Spurs again like they did at the weekend, then there's every chance he can get another another booking. Um, you know, he's, he was booked. I think it, was it ten minutes against Aston Villa? Didn't last. Could have been, been sent off last game, couldn't he? Yeah, like, it's just... absolutely. Well, it's twenty eight minutes, and he, he got a, he got a yellow card. We saw him in the World Cup doing his thing as well. Um, two yellow cards there. He's not really played too much for Spurs, but when he has played, he has made a lot of fouls and, and picked up quite a few cards. So I think that that's a, a good shout, especially with a, just how dynamic Crystal Palace's front players can be. You know, you've got the Zahars, you've got Alise, you've got Eze's. They're so tricky as players, and, and they look to beat you one on one. And there's every chance. That you know, even if it's Palace go one look play on the counter attack, you can just see Romero pulling somebody back who skipped past him. He's that kind of player. So I just thought it was a big number. There's, there's about six, six or seven players ahead of him in the betting, um, and I think, don't think that should be the case at all. I think he should probably be the favourite. Um, so yeah, you've got Basuma, Skip, Decore, Milivojevic, Hughes, Riedeveld, Schlupp, Dyer, Tanganga. Even Harry Kane's a shorter price to be booked than Christian Romero. I mean that doesn't that logic doesn't add up to me unless I'm missing something. So um yeah, that 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 is a little little fun play. Yeah, gets extra credit for being a World Cup winner. Uh, <laughs> by the by the way, um Spurs, Hugo Lloris, completely different than France. Hugo Lloris is just a, a different guy. With all that being said, and I don't disagree with anything that you that you kind of presented, I'm kind of tempted to play the under two and a half goals here. And the, the reason is with, with Son in poor form, with Kulisevsky out, with Bentoncourt out, 
I think Antonio Conte, based on his track record, he knows that his team has to defend well in this game, going away from home to come away with something. I, th- I think a one nil, like that, that's what he'll want to play for in this game. And if it doesn't go his way, if it doesn't go Spurs way, if they start conceding goals to a team that really struggles to create, then he might be gone. Like yeah, Antonio Conte, sure. it yeah. was around this time last year where we thought that he was going out the door. Obviously, stayed, um, and and I think he's done a nice job with this team, all things considered. Because I think their their side, their squad is still limited. I have real questions about their outside wingbacks, whether they're good enough, whether Dyer and whatever other players are playing around the back three, whether they're good enough. I don't think we've seen the best of Basuma yet, yet in the midfield. And Son, just a dynamic player, 23 goals last season. Where is he? He's just, he had the one game where he came on and scored a hat trick. What was that, like in 10 minutes? Other than that, his season has been completely forgettable. I'm going to, let's just do it. I'm going to make a small play under two and a half goals at minus 108. I'm going to stay away from the first to score bet in this game. I, I had Villa at plus 206 to score four first last time out. And it's been a trend that I've delved into. Palace at plus 144, maybe. Spurs to score first at minus 118. I, I'm just going to stay away from that. I'm going to kick myself because it is a Gareth Wheeler special. <laughs> I'm going against everything I believe in, uh, in, in terms of carrying on with this trend. But if you do want to get invested, if you do think that Spurs are going to concede first again, uh, plus 144 is a decent number that's available on Pinnacle for you. So that's all I have to say about this one. I, I don't have a lot of faith. I'm not 100% sure what to expect with either one of these teams, to be honest with you, in terms of the results. But I think that Spurs will have to change their ways ahead of this game, coming off short rest. I, I think that there might be a much more defensive approach playing away from home, considering how poor they've been defensively over recent weeks. Um for Spurs to come away with anything at all. So under two and a half, small play there. Um, anything there else there, or do you want to move on to the next one? No, I think I think my opinion on Spurs would not change drastically, but I think they're a much better team when Benton Kerr's fit and he's playing in the middle of the park. Yes. I think they, they they miss him massively in terms of link play, getting the ball from back to front. So if he was, yeah, I don't know when he's expected back, but for Spurs' sake, I hope it's sooner rather than later. Doesn't sound good, to be honest with you. Uh, the, the reports just, uh, it seems like that timeline continues to shift. So we'll see. Um, the Bentecourt news will be coming out soon, and we'll see where and if Spurs are willing to invest. As Conte said, I have like 12, 13 players. Like, <laughs> you're the players, you know, they invested heavily. If you're the players in that Spurs camp right now, you, you can't like hearing what the manager is saying um, in this very not, difficult yeah. time. Uh the, let's move on to the final game of the week. It's actually going to be played on Thursday and Arsenal Newcastle will be the game of the week. This one will get second billing as eighth place. Chelsea uh, host second place, Manchester city. I mean, on, on paper, this should be the game, but Arsenal Newcastle, quite frankly, are on better form than these two sides. Uh, Chelsea are coming off a one, one draw against forest, just a 1.26 XG in that game uh, points of back-to-back games for Chelsea after three losses in a row. After winning their first three under Graham Potter, they have now just one win in seven. 19.4 XG in 16 games and 20 goals. It's poor. And overall on info goal, a minus 3.1 expected goal differential overall. Nowhere near good, good enough up to Chelsea's uh, expected standards. 
Uh, four wins and two draws and seven at home, but the fifth lowest home XG in the Premier League. They have a lengthy injury list. It's been a real problem for Potter uh, with Chilwell and Fafana looking to be the closest to return, but this game may come a little bit too soon. Uh, City coming off a surprise 1-1 draw with Everton despite a 2.3 XG to just 0.09. Damari Gray, it was a great goal, kind of came out of nothing, even slipped in the build-up to his... Um, to, to his effort that went top corner. Erling Holland scored again. This just in uh, 21 goals on 14.24 XG this season. City has scored in every Premier League game they played this season, uh, but they've conceded in four straight. And why that's notable, the teams that they played over that four game stretch, Everton, Leeds, Brentford, and Fulham. Not the most difficult run of games, yet they're finding ways to concede. They do, however, have the best away expected goals against, just 7.3 in seven games. Diaz dealing with a hamstring. Other than that, uh, looked to be pretty fit, even though Pep Guardiola seems to be reluctant to make changes. Perhaps he's keeping the long view in mind, giving some players some rest coming off the World Cup. Head-to-head City beat Chelsea the EFL Cup 2-0 earlier this season and won both fixtures 1-0 last season. Uh, the total in the in City-Chelsea fixtures has gone under the 2.5 goal total in five of their last six. So City has, has I don't want to call it a skid, but the home loss to Brentford, a draw against Everton... Two surprises, both of those games coming at home, though, Jake. And Chelsea, quite clearly, very much a work in progress. So what do you make of this game, and do you have a bet here? Yeah, I'm, I'm all over Man City. Um, I I think that this is a going to be a massive statement game for them. I think they'll make light work of Chelsea. Um, not because Chelsea are... Well, Chelsea are bad right now, but um, they're not they're not like that bad. But I think just this is a really nice setup, lovely for City to... Um, you know, score two, maybe three, um, and win quite handsomely. People shouldn't be getting carried away with Chelsea's results against Bournemouth and Nottingham Forest. Four points from those two matches, if you're a top four contender, is not enough. And the performances have been poor as well. You know, it's not like that they were thoroughly dominant, created loads of chances in both and were a little bit unlucky not to get six. They you know, they, they, Bournemouth managed just 0.5 at XG, which is a Bournemouth thing to do. And then at Forest at the weekend, they won the XG battle, but just marginally Chelsea. It wasn't, you know, we've seen Spurs go there and win the XG battle 0.8 to 2.2 and, you know, 1.29 to 1.01. That's just not going to cut it away at Nottingham Forest in a game that you should be winning, really. And it kind of highlights anyway where Chelsea are right now, which is not top six level. They, they're not playing at a top six standard. And, and ever since Graham Potter has taken charge, They've actually been only the 13th best team based on expected points per game. So that that's the kind of level they're currently operating at. And, you know, expected goal difference per game of minus 0.31, which is, again, is the 13th best in the league. So they've performed like a bottom half team um, so far under Potter. And, you know, you have to say that the schedule hasn't been too difficult for him. You know, he's played, you've had Palace, Wolves, Villa, Brentford. Man United, Brighton, Arsenal, Newcastle, Bournemouth, Forest. So you've had three of the top six currently, and the rest have been, you know, you know the kind of the the rest of, of the, the Premier League table. So it, it, that has to be seen as a massive disappointment. If they played, you know, all of the all of the the remaining top six plus Newcastle plus Brighton, and you know, then and they put these kind of figures up, you'd be like, okay, there's a bit of a caveat there, but. 
they should have been performing at a level higher than this from an underlying number perspective and an actual point perspective. So um, as much as it's, you know, I'm pro Man City, I'm also looking at opposing Chelsea in this match because I don't think that the the breaks have done them any favours. I think the injury to Reese James is huge. I consider him their best player in terms of not only his defensive ability, but also what he contributes in attack. They're still missing Chilwell on the other side as well, um, which, you know, is huge. They're probably the two most creative players they've got in the team. Um, and goals are still really hard to come by. So um, I was looking... I, I, I personally, I, I like the look of Man City just to win the game. Minus 151 is probably one of the shorter prices that I'll have put up on the podcast. But I just think that that's the... That that for me is the way in rather than taking a um you know a handicap at minus 0.75 and needing them to win by two goals to get a full payout. I think mine minus 151 is probably a I probably would make it a little bit shorter personally. And the reason that that is because I've just you know lay, laid out the underlying numbers for Chelsea. If that team with those underlying numbers wasn't called Chelsea, this city price would be closer to maybe minus 200. But because it's Chelsea and it's a big six team, you're getting a a, a bit of a kind of automatic price boost for Chelsea and making them a little bit shorter than they should be. So I'm more than happy to take City at, at that price. And I also think City to win to nil is is a real shout at plus 195 if you want something a little bit bigger. Um, I mentioned Chelsea struggles, creating chances. It's the same at home. They don't create anywhere near enough chances at home. And City away from home, as you said, the best defence in the league, best defensive process in the league. Um, and they don't have any problems creating chances away from home either. 2.18 expected goals for per game. And again, as, as much as I'm not reading into Bournemouth and Forest um, games for Chelsea, I'm not reading much into the Everton game against Man City because that was a bit of a fluke result in the sense that Everton had two shots, scored one of them, which was an absolute wonder strike. And that, that ultimately won't happen every single week. So, yeah, re- really happy to ride the City train. I think that the we can, you know, I, I would expect them shorter. I think this is quite a big prize for City. Yeah, uh, no play for me here just because I'm, I'm conflicted on some of the, the data that's provided. Like, for example, City are the best defensive team, but they've been conceding goals on a regular basis over recent weeks. And no Ruben Diaz makes that back line a lot softer for me. But I don't think that Chelsea can score on a regular basis. Like, it's it's crazy to me, you know, Graham Potter deserves time. He will get time. But how is his side not playing better attacking football under him? It's just, it, it's a big surprise to me. So th- there's a lot that doesn't add up here. I was initially drawn to the over two and a half goals at minus 122. But am I that confident? Like it could, could finish a 1-0, a 2-0 city, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. So there's no real play for, for me in this game, to be honest with you, as much as I w- would love to make one. I, I'm I'm with you. The, the odds are just a little bit short on, on Man City for me to be fully committed to a play. So I'm just going to stay away from this one. Uh, but I think you're right, just in terms of your read, City deservedly a significant favorite here. And Chelsea do not even res- resemble uh, you know, a top half of the table side right now. So I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. Good players, just but seemingly just... There's no method behind the madness. What's going on? And the injuries, in, in in fairness, have have been crazy for Chelsea, and hasn't allowed them to find any rhythm whatsoever. So, uh, I think yeah. they'd be lucky to get anything from this game. Um, eighth place and and and, and falling, um, not a good place yeah. for Chelsea to be in right now. And you'd have to say that City are only going to get stronger as well. 
for this game. In my opinion, I think this is the game that, that Guardiola bring back in Walker, exactly, bring back in yeah. Walker, bring back in a bunch of their Phil Foden's Cancelo. barely being on the field. Kinsello. Yeah. yeah. It's, I think this is, this is the game you probably had in mind is to reintroduce those guys. Um, you know, a, a potentially tough, tougher game away from home than compared to Leeds and, uh, and Everton bring those guys back in. Um, yeah, like you said, um, Foden's barely kicked the ball. Pancelo warming the bench at the moment with Walker. Julian Alvarez as well, who's, who's yeah. World Cup winner and, and kind of a star of that Argentina team. So I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him go full strength here and, and really try and um, yeah make a bit of a statement. And at the end of the day, by the time they kick off on Thursday, they, they could be 10 points behind Arsenal and, and ultimately it becomes a must-win game at that stage. So yeah, um, yeah I've, got, I've got no doubts they'll get the job done because they, they are... Still a chance creation machine, um, and they have you know a machine up front, don't they? You can score pretty much at will, or or they might be just seven or eight points behind Arsenal. No, they'll be ten Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's go rapid fire for the final four games. Everton sixteenth place, hosting Brighton, who are ninth. Everton coming off that one-one draw against Manchester City. They're still winless in their last seven in all competitions and just one win in their last nine in the league. Uh, Onana suspended due to accumulation. That's a significant loss in the Everton midfield. Brighton coming up that 4-2 loss to Arsenal. Uh, Caicedo comes back in the team. McAllister, Welbeck, Webster will all be in line to play some kind of role in that game. Notably, they've lost the XG battle, Brighton, in their last three games now. And over two and a half goals has come through in seven of eight, and both teams to score in seven of eight, which follows the trend. It was 3-2 Brighton victory in this fixture last season. Played last January 2nd, this game to be played on January 3rd in 2023. Do you have a play here, Everton-Brighton? Yeah, I've got a couple actually. I, I quite like the over. I think the over's got a really good chance um, of landing. We're, we're starting to see the Roberto De Zerbi effect. Um, anybody who followed him in Italy knows that his Sassuolo teams were pretty mental for goals. It was just a free-for-all every single match and uh, just a case of who could score more. We're seeing that more and more now with Brighton. Um, I think all of the last six matches have gone over two and a half. Uh, yeah, I, I just think that they're playing quite a you know, attacking brand of football. They're looking a little bit vulnerable in defence compared to the Potter era, just purely because they are playing more front foot. Um, and I think they'll create loads of chances at Everton. Um, they are one of the best attacking teams away from home in the Premier League. Um, I think they're fifth or sixth best in the league. Uh, so they've got no problems creating chances. 1.66 expected goals for per game. And, and Everton at home, it was a fortress for them last season. It really isn't this season. Um, they've really struggled. Just two wins from eight home matches, which um, is yeah pretty dismal. Um, eight points from eight matches, which I think actually the joint the joint second worst record at home in the league. So they are a struggling home team. Struggled to create chances as well, but uh, they concede plenty. So I quite like the overs in this one. I think that we'll start to see, and the main reason I like it is the price. It's not just because of the chance of it landing. I mean, we're getting a plus number for um, over two and a half in a Brighton game. That won't happen for much longer. It really won't because the Zerbi's football will, well, the bookies will cotton on and they'll realise, oh, it literally is just end-to-end stuff. Um, so, yeah, the, take the plus number while you can. And I also like Brighton to win the match uh, plus 118. I think that's a um, a very backable price. I think Brighton, yeah, they, they, you know, they were well beaten by Arsenal, but Arsenal do look like a potential title-winning side. So no kind of 
qualms about that, no issue with that. And and the way in which they kind of dealt with Southampton, took a 3-0 lead early and cruised and generally away from home, they've, I think they won four of eight. So they, they've got a decent enough record to suggest that this price is is pretty big. Um, and yeah, like you said, they're welcoming key players back. Caicedo, McAllister in particular, massively important players. Uh, and Everton are missing Onana. And I personally think he's probably their best player. Um, you know, he, he was one of very few Belgian players to shine at the World Cup as well. So um, his stock's still pretty high, even if he goes goes down with Everton. So I, I quite like Brighton to win. I quite like the overs. So I'm going to go for two plays in that one. Yeah, my play is Brighton to win at plus 118. I ended up making the play last week, Palace at a plus number away uh, against an inferior team, against Bournemouth. I look at this game in a very similar way. Brighton's a better side. Give me a plus number, a decent one at plus 118. That that plays like this have been very profitable over the course of the season. So I'll bank on Brighton to come away with the full three points. 13th place, Leicester City and 7th place, Fulham. Leicester City coming off a 2-1 loss at Anfield. They scored the first goal, then two own goals actually sunk them on the day. <laughs> Uh, Fulham, another win, 2-1 over Southampton. This team just, you know, Arsenal, Brighton, Fulham, the three biggest surprise in terms of, you know, positive surprises in the Premier League this season. Uh, Mitrovic, uh, Mitrovic also missed the penalty. Polina scored the winner in the 88th minute. Points in six of eight for Fulham, and the only losses over those eight games have come to the Manchester sides. So not bad. The over is my best friend when it comes to Fulham football. <laughs> uh, again, I just play it every week. Over two and a half has played 14 out of 15 games this season and the highest expected goals against in the Premier League. You know where I'm going here. It's a guaranteed overplay when Leicester City and Fulham <laughs> play. Over 2.75 at plus 102. I will take that all day. Are you following my lead or do you have any other plays? Um, I'm going to go for under 1.7. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I'm, I, I'm with like you. Plus 1,000 or something like that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm all over the overs, but I'm happy to take um, 2.5, uh, over 2.5. Just go a, a quarter of a goal less than you. Take a slightly shorter price at minus 125. Yeah, these two teams generally are the overs. Kings, aren't they? I mean, yeah. 65% of, uh, of Leicester games have gone over. 88% of Fulham's have gone over. Um, defensively, both Leicester at 1.65 expected goals against per game, Fulham at 1.96. They can't keep uh, teams out. And, you know, Fulham's attack, I've no doubt will score a couple of goals here. Um, but, yeah, the only question mark is Leicester's attack for me because their underlying process is really poor. Um, 1.09 expected goals for per game is what they've averaged. At home, that actually drops to 0.74. So, they they don't create many chances at home, which is a is a slight worry. But um, yeah, if, if if ever there was a team they could create against it, but this Fulham defense. Madison Daka out. Time to get the Vardy party back fired up here to kick off 2023. I, I don't care who's leading that line against Fulham. I'm taking the over. 20th place Southampton against 18th place Nottingham Forest. Southampton, yet another loss, 2-1 to Fulham, and are now last place. Five straight Premier League losses, no clean sheets in eight in all competitions. Both teams to score in seven of eight Southampton games. And they've been the first to concede. It's very Spursy in eight of their last eight. Now, they have scored in each and every one of the last four games. Um, for Forrest, a 1-1 draw with Chelsea. Undefeated in five straight at home. But this is Nottingham Forest away. 
one goal in eight games, no wins, two draws, all the worst, the worst expected goals at home, uh, away from home as well at just 6.4. Uh, I'm making a Southampton play here to win at plus 107. We're in must-win territory is because Forest are that abysmal away from home. I can't overlook that context. So yes, Saints on for the win at plus 107. I'm making that play. You cannot convince me otherwise. Or maybe you can, Jake. I'm hugely surprised at that. I really am. Forest um, away. Yeah, but Southampton. Mess. I get it. I get it's it. Southampton. Um, oh, but I yeah. should add, Southampton, they're one win at home, came against Chelsea. And they drew Arsenal at home as well. So I, I'm looking at them to harness the lack of support they actually get at home <laughs> and, and do something, do the unexpected here. They have to beat Forest if they're going to stay up, right? Uh, yeah, but, but that, those results were against were under Harsenhutl, who is a better manager than Nathan Jones. So... Um, yeah, I, I've not seen anything from Southampton to suggest that that I would be even think considering backing them um, to win a match at that short of a price. I probably still wouldn't back them if it was plus one thirty. I'd probably wow. want something closer to one plus one fifty. Not just because it's you know, not because I rate Forest, but I just don't rate Southampton. I, I don't trust them at all. So, um, but yeah, like, like you, I have reservations about Forest away from home in particular. Um, but yeah, that price is a bit short on Southampton. I, I'm happy to just leave this alone. I think this is a it's a bit of a trappy game for me. Um, and it, the the Forest plus 0.5 is tempting me because I do feel like they they've turned a corner um, prior, uh, before the break. The you know the, the draw draw at Brighton was very fortunate, but they beat Liverpool, drew with Brentford, beat Palace at home, uh, at two, home, at home. All these yeah, games the, at the, home. Yeah, the only defeats they've had um, across the, the last six matches have been away from home against Arsenal and Manchester United. Southampton aren't at that level. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm happy to just watch it. If, if you call it right and Southampton win, then I'll give you you know a pat on the back. But, uh, for I'm, me, I'm not watching this game, Jake. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to plug my nose and I'm going to make that play. <laughs> And Southampton are going to do me a Just close the here. eyes, yeah. Hide yes. behind the sofa, yeah. Uh, final game of the <laughs> week, uh, 12th place Villa, 19th place Wolves. Villa coming off an impressive 2-0 win over Spurs. Three wins and four in the Premier League for Unai Emery, by the way. And those wins, Spurs, Brighton, United. <laughs> that's, a, that's a decent hit rate. Uh, Olsen started over, over Emmy Martinez. That is notable. Olsen's done okay. Uh, and Villa have gone over the two and a half goal total at six of seven. Hasn't he? Like he looks, he looks okay. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it, it was it was the, it was the pause after the dirt. I thought you were going to say dog's <laughs> breakfast. I didn't know it was which way you were yeah. going to go. No, yeah. he's he's made okay. He looks yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah he's, he's um, done all right. Yeah. Wolves a one 0 loss over United, just point six three xg. Uh, one win in seven. Still only ten goals scored in seventeen games. That's the worst in the Premier League. Although they're top. 10 in the expected goals against category and have the fourth best expected goals against away from home. Uh, thankfully for Lopetegui, Cunha, Mateus Cunha can play now that we're in the new year. We'll see if he makes a difference to a lifeless and listless Wolves attack. Uh, two wins for Wolves last season over Villa, uh, including a 3-2 win in this fixture. What do you got? Any play here to be, to be made? Yeah, I, I think Villa are a bet at plus 100. Um, so right, even money. I, I think, as you said, the three wins so far this season uh, or under Emery have, have come against very good teams, in my opinion. Like I put Brighton as maybe not quite very good, but they are good. They're top eight team. 
but to beat Manchester United, and we've seen how hot they are, um, and obviously Spurs, not great shakes at the moment, but away from home, um, it, you know, Spurs at home is a different kettle of fish to Spurs away from home, um, and yeah, for Villa to go there and do what they did, not just win, but the manner of the victory and, and the kind of the main constant for all three wins have been tight defensive displays. Um, 0.4 XG conceded, or 0.5 XG conceded to Man United, 0.9 to Brighton, 0.58 to Spurs. So very, very solid um, at the back. And, you know, we, we've shown, we've seen flashes of what they're capable of in attack. We, we've not seen a consistent kind of flow of, um, of an average of like 1.5 XG or whatever. It's just been a little bit fits and starts. And in fact, the best attacking game came in the defeat to Liverpool. Um, but I, I think I think I've seen enough for them to for, well, to suggest that they they can actually get another win on the board, which would be sensational, really, for a start. Four four wins from five league games for Emery, um, and yeah, Wolves they were really poor against United. Um, lost the XG battle against Everton, fortunate to win that one with a, a late winner. Loftegi will improve them in the long term. I think they'll stay up. I think they'll be fine. Uh, but I think this is a really difficult game for them. I think Villa, for me anyway, are in a, in a really good position where they can stamp their authority down now and, and say that we're we're a top half team. Um, and this is the kind of game you've got to win if you want to do that. I think the price is fair. Like yeah, if in comparison, here we go. This is a good comparison. So you've got Southampton playing Nottingham Forest. Southampton plus one hundred seven. Love it. Wolves. We're also in that bottom bottom three. Villa, who are a much better team than Southampton, are plus one hundred. Like that that price dif- that price difference is is you know in terms of my mind that the gap between the teams between Villa and Wolves is greater than Southampton and Forest, and much bigger than that price difference is suggesting. So that that for me is value bet um, for for a Villa win. I hear you. But by, by the way, this this game has a distinct La Liga feel to it. Emery oh, Lopetegui. Um, a lot of players that, that have played there as well. Look, look, my plays the under two and a half goals at minus 108. As much as I like Fulham and Leicester City on the over, Wolves on the under. Like, I'm just, they're not a bad side. Just when it comes to the attacking third, they're just nowhere near good enough. I, I think they're still difficult to break down. Their midfield can control games at times. I think it's going to be a combative affair, you know, local rivals. I just, I don't think this is going to be a high scoring game. I think it can be competitive. I think Wolves can come away with something, but most certainly that would have to be on the under. So I'm going to go under two and a half goals. I just, I feel like Emery kind of understands this. Lopetegui, they, they know each other as managers as well. So under two and a half goals at minus 108 is my play in this game. So yeah, that, 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 week. yeah, that'd be my, that'd be my second. Second pick in that is the unders. Uh, I don't see this going over two and a half. It's going to be a tight game, one nil either way, maybe a nil nil. Yeah, that that's kind of how I see it playing out. So a busy week, plenty of bets to be made. My best bet, the United win to nil. I believe that's your best bet as well. Are we aligned? Yeah, yeah, we're we're aligned. Yeah, super. And bet. and we have a Wheeler versus the Oz part three in our Arsenal Newcastle <laughs> play. So I yeah. just need Newcastle to come away with a draw. You're on the Arsenal win. So yeah, Newcastle winner right. a draw. Uh, and that's where the dividing line is. Remember, go to pinnacle.com and go to betting resources for our weekly Premier League columns. And please gamble within your limits. Please gamble responsibly. Uh, we'll be back next week. We have a, we can actually catch our breath next week. 
as these games have come thick and fast, but it's been great and it's been profitable uh, from our perspective. And if you've been watching this podcast and listening, uh, please spread the word, share with friends at Jake Oz, two Zs on Twitter, myself at Gareth Wheeler. Uh, this has been EPL Insights, our first of 2023 with data provided by InfoGoal.